many years ago, researcher Steve and I were joined by two weary travelers by the name of David Lloyd and Jordan Rudek of the Thirsty Mage podcast. Our tale is bleak and full of danger. We invite you, lonesome traveler, to join us in our cross-section of Bloodborne. Well, uh, we definitely need a, a, something to help cope uh, after play sessions of the game that we're talking about this week, which is yeah. uh, Bloodborne. Uh, this is one of the uh, titles from uh, from software. Uh, so this is the company, the same company that you uh, that brought you Dark Souls and Demon Souls and um, Bloodborne is uh, a different variety of those games. This one, you know, Dark Souls uh, was more of the uh, I, w- I would say a little more slow methodical with uh, shields and swords and uh, Bloodborne takes it uh, a little bit differently and, and adds in a, a more agile uh, outlook on, on the gameplay. But uh, before we get too far into the game, I actually kind of wanted to talk about, uh, maybe just start off the discussion about the, like, the location or the, the environment, because uh, I don't know about you guys, but the, the thing that struck me most uh, about the game, uh, especially starting off, is that the, the the location that is played in Yarnum? Uh, it, it it it's just breathtaking. Like it, it especially like I. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've ever played it, but I can just imagine. You know, back in uh, what was it, 2011, 2012, uh, when it first came out, um, that uh, it just it's spectacular. It's just crazy. Like it just it blew my mind how how big and detailed the Yarnum is and. And just the all the gothic scenery and and just uh, how uh, impe- or foreboding or huge like it it, it is. Yeah, it, it it kind of um, I, the setting of it was probably the the, the thing that attracted me the most because it it felt like it feels very European in a way. It feels like it's kind of mm-hmm. a mixture between kind of Prague and London, um, you mm. know, in kind of olden olden times what would you say kind of, sort of yeah it's sort of victorian, victorian sort of yeah gothic very much slash so. victorian and, um, yeah. think they'll think about their outfits right those those are particular like the the top hats yeah. and the, uh, the kind of suits that they wear really make you think of that time period yeah and to me that that just that feels very you know we, we've kind of grown up studying that sort of period of time and although this isn't i don't think this is explicitly supposed to be set at any particular period in in time in in real life anyway it is um those kind of little cobbled streets and the you know the the gothic architecture even like the the bridges you know the the, the first main bridge that you walk over in Yarnum reminded me of uh, Charles Bridge in Prague which you know we've got these kind of um uh what are they called kind of like figures at every kind of little step along the bridge on the side of it and it's yeah it's, it's just it's a beautiful game and and you could almost forgetting the gameplay itself you could happily just go around in that world mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. not being massacred by enemies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like i i absolutely adore uh bloodborne and it is it is thrilling to play through but really the reason that i love it is because of how it looks and how it feels and how it sounds it is absolutely stunning this game and it was stunning five years ago, and you go back to it now, and it is still stunning. It's yeah. kind of amazing how well it's held up, and the 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 setting is just so endlessly fascinating to me. It it is as though it's sort of like the Victorian times, but the Enlightenment didn't happen, right? And and religion and this weird sort of pseudo Catholicism has just gained momentum, and it's overtaken everything, and they've just got this whole society that's structured around. Uh, a blood-based Catholicism. It's really f- <laughs> but it's it's really sorry. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this. Show. Well, we have a we have, we have a chocobo. We have a special. We have a special. Special. The crash players are on button. That's what they do. <laughs> no, I apologize. No, no, don't, that. no. Please feel free. Like, like that's what we we haven't heard the mute button in a little while, so it'd be a good uh, change okay, of pace. Good. Yep. Fine, good. Yeah. So it is. It is. It is flipping bizarre and absolutely <laughs> fascinating, and it's. 
and then and that's how it starts and then as it goes on you start scratching under the surface and it turns out there's this sort of eldritch horror lurking underneath it. i just i god i love it it's so good it's so so good yeah when i so i i played this i guess when it originally came out probably at or around launch and to go i hadn't really come back to it in since since i guess i think it's 2015 when it came out um i i, I never played the dlc unfortunately i would like to at some point um but yeah it, it's 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 so much it's so easy to just get lost in this world and 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 minutes and hours just just melt away as you're playing this game because you're so engrossed in the setting and the gameplay and the difficulty like these elements they just culminate in this experience that is definitely uh an incredible and unforgettable one um what really strikes me about this game is how how in a way it's different aesthetically in terms of the atmosphere than something like dark souls uh, one two or three that Bloodborne really gives into this this singular location, this singular singular world, right? Everything in every area of Bloodborne and Yarnum look they they all kind of look connected. They all they don't look like disparate places that are from different games or that you're transported to different worlds. But if you play something like Dark Souls, uh, the first or the second one especially, like I feel like you go to different places. Like you go to Anna Orlando, and Orlando doesn't look like other places. In mm. Dark Souls, right? It, it feels like this. You're teleported to this new area. Bloodborne doesn't really have that. Everything is kind of all in the same place. Like you really do feel like it's one big connected world, and that all of these places would exist kind of side by side, mm. right? Like, and so that's I guess that's what I really like about Bloodborne is that just going going through the beginning area and then the cathedral and then onward after that, uh, Old Yarnum, whatever. They all feel like they it does feel like a real not a realistic world but a real world that in terms of like if i drive from my city to the next city there's not this big huge change in terms of what they look like even if i drive to another another province or i drive down to the states everything kind of looks connected right they, they all fit together like puzzle pieces and bloodborne does this that does that same thing unlike other open world games i think other open world games they try to have different looking mm. worlds or different uh, different looking sections that make you feel like there's all this different variety, but Bloodborne would rather have this cohesive, believable world in place of that. And I think I think I, I you know I'll give them give them props for that. I guess I think that was my first kind of yeah. aha yeah. moment with this game because I've as a complete newcomer to the genre, um, I, d- I didn't really know what to expect from it other than the brutal difficulty that everyone talks about. But the first time when I found a shortcut that then took me back to to the first lamp for example that was that was a real kind of moment of wow this actually i i've not really traveled that far this whole world is interconnected and then you find another shortcut that will get you to the to the boss quicker rather than going through everything and it's little moments like that and you realize that there's this kind of you know it's it's this intertwining network of streets rather than just a you know, a linear path from from A to B, um, and and that mm. was I just found that I find that so clever, and it, and it it kind of the loop of the game is baked into that as well. You're pushing to discover more about the world every time because you're hoping to get to the next lamp or the next shortcut. So you're constantly in this trade off of do I dare go a little bit further, which might help me in the long run, or will I lose you know all my all my everything I've accumulated if I if I then push too far and then get killed. So it's, yeah, genius. Yeah, and a lot of uh, RPGs fall into the trap where they're like these great big uh, beautiful areas, but then they're they're kind of sparse in what's actually there. And that's uh, one of the other things that surprised me about Bloodborne as well is that just the sheer amount of enemies like per square foot of Bloodborne <laughs> is uh, especially like early on, uh, you know, the, the introductory area it's about five minutes in and all of a sudden you're thrown into like one open spot where there's like 20 20 enemies just all kind of standing around a bonfire (laughs) it's just like one after another coming after you (laughs) if you're uh especially when you're someone like me whose uh, first inclination is just to kind of walk in and and throw down Uh, it didn't take long uh to have to change my style of play of uh, you know you can't just walk in and and take on the crowd you really it is a methodical march through through the the streets 
uh, like you said, opening those gates to to allow for the uh, the new areas and to to skip over, because that was the other problem I would run into as well is that you know I I would get so far and then die and then I would think to myself like okay I don't I don't want to kill all the enemies I just killed again so I'm going to try to run past everybody and mm. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and uh, but if finding those the the lamps and finding the the shortcuts uh, certainly gave you a, a nice feeling almost like a momentary relaxation of uh oh, okay like I, i've just opened a new path thank goodness like now now i don't have to uh fight and claw my way it, it, it's it's a feeling of accomplishment along the way mm. mm-hmm. i mean it's the funny thing about the beginning of this game and this isn't new people have said this before but it it has a different difficulty curve throughout the game than normal games do right the the, the beginning of bloodborne is exceedingly difficult and the idea is that if you can beat the beginning of the game, if you can get past uh, kind of the starting area and get into the cathedral, from that point on, things are going to be easier. It's almost never going to be harder than it is at the very beginning of the game when you're weak, you're underpowered, your weapons aren't upgraded, uh, you maybe you don't have a lot of um, uh, options in terms of how you're going to get through the different areas, you don't have a lot of like fire bombs or things to... Um, uh, uh, the electric paper or whatever, or the lightning paper to put on your weapon. Like, you really just have to figure out exactly how to navigate uh, not only the, the beginning streets, but then those first two bosses you encounter. Um, uh, yeah, who's the... The Cleric uh, Beast? Father Gascoigne, and then the Bloodstarved Beast. Mm-hmm. Cleric, Bloodstarf cleric Beast, Beast, is it? Beast. Or, uh, cleric Beast? Cleric, cleric Beast, yeah. yeah. Like, you... Just because of how uh, weak you are at the beginning of the game, relatively, it makes those fights very very mechanical like you you have to figure out the patterns you have to play mechanically sound to beat those two bosses especially uh father gascoigne if you haven't if you haven't figured out the timing on the parry it's 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 or the yeah the or the the visceral attacks it's almost impossible to beat him without those um but once you've done that the you're probably not going to run into overly frustrating scenarios later some of the bosses you'll be able to summon a, a, a computer player to help you or you'll be able to, uh, you know, power yourself up. That you maybe you'll have earned enough blood echoes to raise your stats, or you'll you'll have picked up enough items to to improve your weapon's uh, strength, or the different runes that you find that increase your stats as well. All of those things come up after this opening segment of the game, and it really is brilliant in terms of, I guess, teaching you to teaching you how to play the game effectively through difficulty rather than easing you in through handholding. Mm. It's all it's kind of like it's kind of like when uh, like if a swordsman's in training and he trains with a heavy wooden sword that is heavier than his actual sword is going to be when he's picking up his actual sword he's much better with it because Absolutely. he's had to go through the trial uh, of using the the heavy thing. This game definitely front loads the pain uh, to train you um, for the rest of it. That's very true. Yeah, that's a really good analogy Steve. I I totally agree with that or to to weed out the weak as well because uh if if you can't really like you said with it being so difficult at the beginning it's it's kind of like the you know it get past this uh trial by fire because uh it's it's a very unique approach to to tutorializing gameplay isn't it because it's it's almost the exact opposite of you know as a primarily nintendo uh, fan, I I'm not used to this. <laughs> like used to a lot of handholding, <laughs> no. but being thrown in in the deepest of deep ends and just being told to work it out for yourself. Uh, it's like the uh, tiger mom uh, style of parenting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know basically all of the Soulsborne games do this, right? They all maybe not to the same extent Bloodborne does. I think Bloodborne's difficulty at the beginning is harder than the mm-hmm. other ones, but. In the other games, you start, you basically start with a boss fight, right? And sometimes you don't have to defeat that boss to move on, but in Dark Souls 3, you do. And it's not necessarily that they're super hard, but they're also not for... If you've never played a game like this, it's going to be really difficult for you, right? You're going to have to learn very quickly on your feet. And yeah, again, I think it's just one of these... these the charm of these games is that they, they don't treat you with kid gloves at any point. Like, you are meant to get good... Or it's probably not going to work out for you, right? Like there, you, you, you can't cheat the bosses. You can't no. cheat no. Father Gascoigne. You you have to beat him with skill, 
it, it, it's almost impossible to just whittle him down if you don't have the right tactics and the right mechanics. I mean, you I, can't I had a, a pretty, a pretty, I, I kind of cheesed Father Gascoigne, if I'm honest. I think I, I basically just hid behind a gravestone and hit him with hit him with mm. the long version of my axe. Which, which is, yeah, I didn't feel like I was cheating at the time. That's I was like, well, strength. if you can't figure this out, mate, of course this is what I'm going to do. Uh, the beast... But if you don't <laughs> if you don't have the axe, you can't even do that, though, right? Exactly. Like, so if, you, if you've chosen that weapon... The axe is kind of like the, the new new player weapon, I guess. Like, it, it, it's an easier playthrough, I'd say, with the axe. At least I, I felt that way. I played, I played the axe this playthrough yeah. as well. Um, you can get you can get the music box as well from the girl. Yeah, to, so to I, I bet to, right, to yeah. shut him down. So that was my uh, way of doing it was was keep him behind the gravestones when he's in his human form. Then as soon as you, you yes, that's the thing. F- through repetition, I was able to tell. Okay, well, after one more hit, he's going to change into his beast form. So I ran. I had to so learn I ran up too. the yeah. stairs, dished out the last hit on when you're up on the kind of platform. Then he changed into his beast form. Then I used the music box, and he was in pain from the music. And then I went behind him, did a visceral attack, and that took off a big chunk. And then got a little bit lucky with the dodging, because that's that's all just quite rhythmic, isn't it? Just staying out of the way, getting your hits in, not getting too many hits in, you know, not getting greedy. It's all, yeah, very clever yeah. stuff. But I was... Patience. It's all about patience, right? All all these games are about patience. Even if Blood Soul Bloodborne is a little mm. bit faster with the dodging and the movement and everything, it's still ultimately about timing and patience, right? If you Definitely. as soon as you take that extra hit that you know you're not supposed to, inevitably you get yeah. punished yeah. for doing that every right? time, that's, like out of every time. That's the thing about this game and about Soulsborne games generally. They have garnered this reputation of being, you know, punishingly hard, and 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 they are to a degree, and that's part of their charm. But I, I will always say about these games that they are far more accessible than mm. they let on. Uh, all, all you have to do is learn how to play it, and anyone can play can play these games. Like there's, there's, there's nobody for whom a, a Soulsborne game is too hard. And and the opening part of of uh, of Bloodborne is just telling you like this is, <laughs> you know, we're not gonna hold we're not gonna hold your hand, but this is the first area. You mm. can do this. Work it out. Like there is a way around this, and it's just teaching the player that difficult doesn't mean impossible. You just have to you just have to change the way you think about playing games in order to get through it, and that's true of all of the Soulsborne's uh, games. Yeah. Um, Getting back to, I think David, yeah. it was your point about this being a way to kind of weed out the the people who aren't up for the challenge. I was trying to think of there must be some mm-hmm. way to see what the drop off rate is. So I'm just looking at the trophies on PlayStation and. Yes. Uh, Oh, that's 40, a, yeah, that'd be a good indicator. Forty-eight point nine percent have beaten the cleric beast, so that's more than half Gosh. of the people that mm. play this have not got well, past the first. Bear boss. in mind, is that yeah. bear in mind that Blood Blood Bloodborne was a PS Plus game at some point, which means that this was in the hands of a lot of like very casual mm. folk. So I do wonder what percentage of those people actually went out and bought this game. Yeah. Uh, as opposed yeah. to those who just downloaded Still, it. If I'm not mistaken, Cleric Beast is also skippable. Yeah. You don't have yeah, to beat not. him to progress, right? You can go straight to Father Gascoigne. Father Gascoigne is uh, 47.9% have beaten him. Oh, okay, wow. about the same then. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, uh, like you are saying about the timing, uh, Jordan, uh, I think it's the, the use of the stamina meter that really, for me, that kind of threw me off because... Uh, for I'm kind of used to the 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 Japanese style action RPG games where you can really just utilize speed by you know you attack attack and then you can dodge and uh, thinking like something like near Automata or even um, even like the way I played Final Fantasy VII remake like it was very much a get in get in get your licks in and get out before the the the, the attack comes the other way. And uh, trying to play that way with Bloodborne just absolutely killed me at the, at the very beginning because often I would forget that the stamina meter was there. So I'd go in, get, like you said, take a couple hits or t- give out those couple hits and thinking, okay, well, I'll just like keep on slashing my way to victory until I hit to the point where the stamina meter dies. And that half second delay is just enough for the enemy to, to crack me over the head with a brick and yep. <laughs> and end my run. So it... Um, it really does uh, that I, this the stamina really does force you to like no you're you're not going to spam attack through through these enemies like you really do have to learn 
and, and learn that timing. I mean, that's why, you know, leveling up the stamina or leveling up your endurance when you when you are spending your blood echoes is probably the most important thing, mm. right? Because mm -hmm. if you have more stamina to do more hits, to do more dodging, and you're not having to wait as long to get all your stamina back, like, I feel like all of those elements are going to make you more successful. Like, you, you can have more health, but you can also bring 20 health refills to, to the fight. So, like, you, you can restore your health, but having more stamina, there's no way to get more stamina back. That's strictly time. So, uh, endurance is definitely one of the things I always prioritize whenever I'm playing any of these games. I Same. Yeah. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to dodge. I want I, I dodge a ton because I'm I'm almost spamming the dodge button more than spamming the yeah. attack button. Right? Like you see you see a boss winding up and you don't know if you're necessarily going to be in the, in the path of the attack or not. So I'm spamming dodge to just try to get to get behind them. Right? So it's it is kind of an inversion of spamming defense rather than spamming offense, I guess, or, or just, just making sure you're prioritizing your safety over your ability to inflict pain. Yeah, I made the classic noob, well, not mistake, but the, I took the noob approach of boosting my health to begin with because I just thought, oh, I'm dying a lot here. I need I need more health. And um, <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a bad idea yeah. for a new player. Like, I, yeah. I will do that the first time I'm playing these games. But if you neglect mm. your stamina... You're, you're over the long term you're going to be it's going to really i think i can see that now I'm, as i'm getting more confident so i've upped my health i've up my my strength so i can take damage i can dish out yep. damage and now i'm at the stage where okay i'm i'm needing to dodge around these guys get my hits in and then get the hell out of there so yeah stamina will be the next thing that i try and bump up a little bit Yeah, the other uh, unique thing I think about Bloodborne is uh, that I found neat was the different weapons that you can use and just the different uses of the weapons as well. Uh, I ended up uh, trying, a, like, early on I, I played through uh, all, all three really just to, just to get a feel for each one. Uh, I started with the, the saw cleaver, uh, which I guess is... Uh, I guess that maybe I'll, well, maybe I'll just start with, uh, actually, I'll start with the Hunter Axe. I'll start from, like, the strongest to the least strongest, because I believe the, the Hunter Axe is the, the strongest weapon um, of the three. And um, the Hunter Axe also is, is quite unique in the sense that the being able to extend it to, to do the two hands, I think it was the only weapon that you can use it with both hands, right? I think it is two-handed when you when you extend it. It becomes, like, mm -hmm. the, the longer halberd or something like that. Yeah. When you when you press when you press R one I think it's R one to to switch it to switch it to the second form, my goodness it is so useful against <laughs> yeah. like every enemy because you just oh, charge yeah. you charge up that spinning attack yep. and you know if if it's a one on one encounter with any of the basic enemies they really can't yep. touch you and and that that attack goes on to be effective against so many bosses as well um, like um, who's the who's the the lady who becomes the giant wolf in the church, I can't remember her name, uh, Amelia, oh, Vicar Vicar, Amelia? Amelia? Yeah, yeah like, right. that, that, it, that's a good attack to use against her. The, when you're fighting the, the three wraiths in that, uh, that pit in the swamp, um, it's a really, it's, again, really strong attack to use against them, but that, that's, that charging spin attack, like, <laughs> I'm using that, like, 80% of the time in this game, <laughs> oh, yeah. at least on my second run, because it, it's just yeah. such... It's almost it's a little broken, you know. It's a it little is, I think it is. I think it is a bit broken. It is. Yeah. It is both damage and crowd control at the same time. Yeah, like you yeah. clear a space around you, and you do a lot of damage. Like it feels pretty generous. And you can you can use it before anyone gets to you, right? Like mm -hmm. you'll you'll have a chance to hit them before they hit you. Even the even those kind of giant dogs that you find uh, prowling around, like. You'll, if they charge at you, you'll you'll definitely be able to. If you've got your charged attack ready to go, you can always hit them out of the way before they get to you. Like it, mm -hmm. it yeah, it's, it's a little bit cheap. Yeah, well, the threaded cane when you convert it to whip does it, it. It can be kind of crowd a little bit of crowd control. Maybe not as well as the axe, obviously. 
Uh, and it's it's weaker of the the weakest of the three. But the threaded can was pretty neat because I it, it it's the most sword feeling I guess like or not even a sword. It's um what what's those old uh, French uh, swords where you like poke people to to kill them like a rapier? Yeah, yeah like it's rapier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. bayonet. Yeah. yeah, so I was using that a lot. Uh, I think might have been the one I used the most. And then yeah, being able to switch it to um, the 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 whip was I I thought was kind of neat. Not uh, it was kind of annoying how weak it was, but it was still pretty pretty neat uh, mechanic. Of it's the a fun switching. it's a fun weapon to use for sure. Yeah. Like if, I I wouldn't recommend it on a first playthrough, but if you're going through the game again, maybe on a new game plus or something like that, and you pick it up, like it it's it's really fun to use. And it's fun to kind of see the animations of it and how they hit the enemies and things like that. It's not as effective, but it, it looks cool when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anybody? Uh, like what what did every i guess the last one we'll just talk about the last weapon uh, the saw cleaver that uh, that was actually the one i started with i just i, I don't know what about it made me uh, gravitate towards that first of all but uh is that the one that's on on the that he's holding on the front cover of the game yeah yeah it does it looks like yeah. the coolest yeah. weapon doesn't it yeah it's it's the secondary attack though it just felt too slow to me like when you open it up mm-hmm. and it becomes kind of like a scythe it just i always felt like it was just like a split second behind the other weapons and it just it got to the, the point where i just got irritated with it and moved moved to a different one yeah i've i've never been a saw cleaver guy i don't think i've ever done a run through with the saw with a saw cleaver it just never never appealed to me for for that for that reason uh, but also i just think it looks kind of gross There's something kind of gross <laughs> about it that i'm just not into as opposed to uh, i the, think my the rest I think of my... the game <laughs> oh the rest of the game is squeaky clean but that thing. <laughs> too far yeah yeah, blood, blood, guts, yeah. corpses. Like that's all great, but then the saw cleaver and us too. A little bit Steve too far. Steve has his limits. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. You gotta know where, you, know where to stop. I, I, I think my first playthrough of the game was with the saw cleaver, and I, I, I think I very rarely put it into the scythe form. Uh, I feel like it, it, it's pretty just at the uh, in its basic uh, format, which uh, is just standard attack. I think it's pretty pretty effective. I it's nowhere again nowhere near as as cheap as the hunter axe, but I, I had a good playthrough with it. Um, I it's, it's just unfortunate that it's not maybe it doesn't feel as versatile as maybe the other two weapons. It more just maybe more more plain or basic. I'm very uh, I'm very happy with my my hunter's axe choice though. I think. I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying the battle mechanics overall in this game. I, I kind of was expecting them to be a bit more methodical, but you can... It's its quite clever how it does in, encourage you to get your hits in rather than, like my understanding of Dark Souls, and probably what put me off was there's a lot of hiding behind a shield and waiting. Well, it mm. can be. Whereas yes. this is very so much true. like... You know, if you get hit, but then you can get your hit back in, you can replenish some of your health. And mm-hmm. I just think as a mm-hmm. as a battle system, that's pretty genius because it, it does, you know, it encourages you to be quick and not, you know, and aggressive. It, it, and there's that kind of constant risk reward of, well, it, I could potentially claw some of my health back. Um, it's not even health, is it? I think Miyazaki described it as a will meter rather than a health meter so mm. you you take a hit right. and you lose okay. your will but you can get your will back by getting another hit in i think that's quite clever that makes sense yeah that mechanic of of when you take damage and then to immediately uh re- strike back at your enemy to restore your your will is it's that's amazing. Yeah. Like I, I wish every game had something like that because, it, although it, it, it's it's a risk reward, of course, because it might be that the enemy is is in the middle of an attack, and if you try to get your health back too quickly, you could you could you could just end up dying right then and there. So you still have to you still have to mm. be patient, but it does reward you for not staying out of combat for too long, right? Like mm. you you don't the game doesn't want you to sit back too long. And I think you bring up an interesting comparison with the with the uh, the other games in the in the genre, and I feel like Dark Souls as a series has more variety to it, right? You can you can I feel like there's more different builds you can do because there's there's, there's, there's magic. You can you can, there's uh, there's more weapons. You can you can play behind a big shield if you want to. There's just a lot more different things you can do with your character. Bloodborne is it's more focused of an experience, right? Yarnum is a focused area that all has the same kind of aesthetic to it. Your character is going to be one of maybe a few different archetypes uh, based on that that ma- usually based on that main weapon you choose, and then maybe the starting gun that you choose, the pistol or the the blunderbuss. Uh, 
although you you could pick up a cannon, which is pretty fun to use later on when you when you do find that does that can do a bunch of damage. But but there's nowhere near as many choices I think in terms of how you participate in combat in Bloodborne. Like you, that is very you, true, yeah. you still have to learn the visceral attacks. You still have to learn you know kind of the timing of dodges and stuff like that. Whereas in Dark Souls positioning blocking uh the the rolling the the amount of the equipment burden that you have and how that controls the speed of your character those are much bigger considerations and i think they they change up the combat significantly uh between the two games so i i I came to bloodborne after playing dark souls one and two and i was a hide behind the shield guy and if i could i would have a spear (laughs) that i could poke from behind the shield so i (laughs) never had to let go of the shield button um, so when I first saw Bloodborne uh, before it came out, I was quite intim- quite, intim- quite intimidated by it because I thought, well, where's my big shield? Like, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die in this yeah. game. Yeah. Um, but I, it broke me out of that shield way of think- thinking. Um, and I've actually gone back to Dark Souls games after this and explored the depth of that character creator and found out just how many different kinds of builds you could have in that game. In, in Dark Souls, is not about the shield. It is about so many things, and I, and I feel like that was a very deliberate move on the part of uh, Miyazaki. And I think there is a there is a shield there there is a shield in Bloodborne, and the item description basically says, "Yo, if you use a shield, you're a coward." So, <laughs> That's right. I, th- yes, I can't I remember. remember exactly what it says, but I'm going to look it up. But it says something like "shields engender passivity" or something, and that's yeah. very much a commentary on the way people play uh, Dark Souls. I think there's a lot of nods to Dark Souls in Bloodborne and kind of that that it's maybe not an antiquated uh, experience or an antiquated game or something, but that this is that Bloodborne is the evolution of that, and maybe we would see that in in a game that came after like Sekiro, right? Like I haven't played that yet, but I understand that it's a lot it's a lot faster. It's got the same mm-hmm. kind of pace of Bloodborne, but there's more verticality to it, and you're swinging through like a grappling hook or something like that. It's really taken the action up another level. Whereas, yeah, Dark Souls is it's it's content to be. That, that that slower paced game where you're it's a lot more about your thinking and your timing and, and kind of watching and waiting uh that's why i'm really excited to see what's going to happen with elden ring like is elden ring mm, going to be more like bloodborne or is it going to be more like a dark souls game and uh, we haven't really seen anything of it yet but hopefully we will soon i was just gonna say i brought up the uh wooden shield item description it says a crude wooden shield used by the masses who have arisen to join the hunt hunters do not normally employ shields ineffectual against the strength of the beasts that they tend to be shields are nice but not if they engender passivity that's <laughs> <laughs> so good yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I remember coming across that. Yeah. I'm just going to correct my dates because I think I said at the beginning 2012 or I was thinking of Dark, Dark Souls was 2011 when it first came out. Bloodborne was 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel like you can feel those four years between between the two. Like the, like you said, Absolutely. with with the evolution, um, it certainly feels like they've, they've moved differently. Well, even Dark Souls 3, I've never played that one, but I, I'm pretty sure that one even run, is more run and gun than the original Dark Souls as well, right? It is, yes, it is. Yeah, it is slightly... Fa- it did take a lot of lessons uh, from Bloodborne, for sure. Just keep so in mind is... that Dark Souls 3 was also developed for uh, current or current gen consoles, I guess. I can only say that for a couple more weeks. But uh, PS4 and Xbox One, I think... Uh, Dark Souls 3 was developed exclusively for those, rather than uh, Dark Souls 1 and 2, which were... Uh, uh, for originally Xbox and eventually uh, PlayStation 3, I think. If I, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, maybe think... it was a, a technical limitation that they, mm-hmm. they that maybe the, the slowness of Dark Souls was related to the console. Steve, now you, you said you've played the Dark Souls game. Ben, ben, you haven't played any Dark Souls games. This is like your first Soul, Soulsborne game. Yeah, absolutely. Right? This is my first. And this, I'm trying, just listening to you guys talk there, I'm trying to put my finger on why why this one interested me and the others didn't and i think a lot of it like i'm i'm curious i'm curious if you went back like i'd love to do a dark souls episode with you guys as well and if you you went back to that game after playing this like how how would that how would your experience be you know because i think it's i think it's hard i think think it'd be very hard to go back to playing a dark souls game after after playing bloodborne and i did when dark souls came to switch i ended up picking that up and i remember there's that adjustment right after coming off of playing even dark souls 3 or playing bloodborne to go back to the original game or the second one 
it's definitely you feel like you have to relearn some of the strategies and the ways yeah. to be successful in that game, right? It's not yeah, it's not rough. the same at all. Yeah. Mm, I certainly feel like I would like to try Dark Souls now, having played a bit of Bloodborne. I I think mm. I think Ben, if you picked up Dark Souls three, I'm pretty convinced that you yeah. have a good time with that game. I agree. Now yeah. now that you've played Bloodborne, I don't know about one one and two. That's harder to call. But now that you understand some core ideas in Bloodborne, I reckon that you would recognize those in Dark Souls 3, and I think that would compel you forward. I think you would have a good mm. time with it. Yeah, I'll certainly uh, keep an eye out for them on, on sale. I know that you can get the trilogy, can't you, on PS4, I think. That's right, that's right. Yeah. 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 That one. Either of you guys uh, pre-ordered the PS5? Yes, I, I have not. Because we got Demon's Souls coming up. Yep, so I never played Demon Souls. Uh, that's my blind spot in this series, so I'm very excited to play that. Yeah, and I've, I've, I don't know. I think I might have played it through once. I, I, I got it on uh, digitally on PS3, maybe on a big sale, or maybe it was on PS Plus at some point. And it's hard to go back to because uh, they've shut down all the online features, right? Mm. Which I, I really like the online elements of these games, and so to lose that kind of sucked. Um, but it, it, great that we're getting a, a remake of it. Although we haven't really... Uh, we haven't seen a ton of it, you know? Like, we no. haven't seen a ton of PlayStation 5, actually, really, at all. They, <laughs> they've just done the unboxings, I guess, uh, today and yesterday. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited for Demon's mm. Souls, for sure. The thing that bothers me about that game is that it's called Demon's Souls. And everyone says... <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they kept it in the and remake, I just, too. <laughs> just, just lose the S. Just lose the first S. And then then I'll buy the yeah. game. Yeah. But no, it's that really irritates me more than it should... <laughs> But you know, you know, you know the developers of these games. They have a. It, it's not just a grammatical error, right? They have some reasoning behind why it's a singular demon mm. who has plural souls, right? There, there's there's some Miyazaki explanation yeah. in there somewhere for uh, the uh, the derivation of that name. But um, yeah, this is gonna be a good one. Yeah, um, maybe uh, we'll just uh, wrap up the the Bloodborne discussion with just uh, going over. I think one of the interesting things of about the story in these types of games is that you can play through the game with uh, and not even really come across the story if you're <laughs> if you're not like if you're not looking at the different reading the different things or. Uh, I know early on I was like knocking knocking on doors and you you talk to people and stuff, but you could miss quite a bit if not all of the story if you're not paying attention to it in these games and just focusing on the combat yeah i i haven't picked up a great i haven't picked up much story so far it there's there's little i'm getting little pieces of lore and i can see that i'm gradually piecing a story together but you're kind of just thrown into it and mm. uh yeah you're just kind of left to much like the game itself you're just left to work things out for yourself and people are yeah. You know, shouting abuse at you as you as you approach them, and people <laughs> hiding in indoors are kind of being rude to you, and and you're like, what, what, what have I done? I think I'm trying to help. I don't know. Yeah, the, it's it's like it's like a story buffet, right? And you you take or leave as much as you want from it, uh, and if you want a lot of story, like it's there, it's there for you. You just gotta you just gotta grab it. But yeah, if you play through the game, the story ba- ba- basically amounts to what the hell is going on. <laughs> until you reach yeah. the very end and then you still don't, and then you still don't know what's uh what's going on but i think the story is 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 i it's very i mean it's very compelling but whether or not it's coherent i i i don't i don't think it's coherent i think it has the illusion of being a coherent story but i think it is deliberately obfuscating itself to make it seem more mysterious and bizarre and strange but but there are sort of pockets of story in there po- like bit bit bits of history that are described through uh item descriptions and stuff that are that are really really cool yeah and if yeah, you sort of... they're almost they're almost like little anecdotes or little yeah, yeah little, little stories uh, that you can you can you can discover and i think those are some of the more interesting ones than even the 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 story at large or the narrative at large i think that you know some of the relationships between characters or what what happened to this person that caused a particular event to happen um it, it's all about kind of talking to people and then going back and talking to them later, which maybe if, in a game like this, you might not focus on that unless you're unless you're really trying to dig. You know, you're you're focused on making progress and going forward and going to new areas. But if you come back to old ones and talk to people or move them around, you, you can invite people to go to the cathedral, for mm. example, um, or you can invite I think you can invite some people to go back to um, the starting area, the um, 
the clinic. Uh, and then and then their dialogue might change after that. You can also just kill NPCs if you want to and take mm-hmm. some of their items. Like you, there, there's there's ways to, um, I, I guess, enjoy the experience in different ways. Like if you want, if you really want to get into the story, uh, and you you dig online for some of the the work, the the YouTube videos that people put together, like it's incredible. And I I love. I actually love watching speed runs of these games. So whenever Games Done Quick starts up again, uh, either the the one in January or the summer version, uh, whenever they're doing a Dark Souls or Bloodborne run, I'll always watch those just mm. to hear the speedrunners talk about the lore of the game, which I think is fascinating. Uh, and it's also nice to have someone kind of parse it for you. Because during a playthrough across, you know, 15 or 20 hours of you're playing this game, it's hard to kind of keep all those separate story bits in mind to form a cohesive whole but if you're if you're just watching someone do a speed run or a playthrough and they're talking about it the whole time, it's a really nice way to kind of absorb the story because you're not actually focusing on the challenging gameplay. Yeah, I, uh, it's surprising how deep the lore is for a game that you could easily bypass most of it. Uh, yes. And like you said, I I ended up watching uh, one of those YouTube videos that that did break down where they're taking like these small item descriptions and these kind of off the cuff conversations. And um, I'll just quickly run through the story and, and you guys could tell me if this, if, if uh, any of this even sounds familiar based on uh, the playthrough so far, but uh, the, the general story is that, so the, uh, the player awakens in this laboratory and, and the first thing you actually kind of hear is a bit being called like a pale blood and um, you're getting like a blood transfusion to become the, uh, the hunter um character and uh so that 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 person in the hunter's dream there uh garum i think it's pronounced garum german 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 um so yeah so the basically the the city of yarnum where everything takes place uh is run by the healing church and there was a history behind it in in the sense that um the, the they discovered this these secrets in a labyrinth tomb underneath the city uh, and they discovered that there's the there's a, the creatures down there or there used to be anyway they're called the great ones uh, that had supernatural be- they're the supernatural beings and um, the healing church got its power from uh, discovering that the blood that they they take from the great ones uh, heals people like it gives gives people back their uh, their health or um, basically leading to why you're walking around stabbing yourself with a needle every few seconds to uh, to to get uh, healed. Um, but yeah, there's it, it started off with uh, this college uh, burning. Um, here's where the pronunciations are gonna uh, get me. The Bergen Bergen Bergenworth College. Um, so there's the the guy that ran it, Provost William. So uh, he was actually against using the blood. Uh, there's the the fear of the old blood, uh, as he said, and um, he went up against his uh, one of the higher ranking scholars at the school that was underneath him, Lawrence, um, who decided to embrace the the great ones. So there, it all kind of began with this. Uh, uh, disagreement at the college between whether w- between William and Lawrence on whether the blood that they have found should be used to uh, to to heal people basically to u- be used as a resource and uh, as uh, we discover with uh, how much of the town is uh, left in ruin <laughs> it's not not the greatest idea and um this actually leads to the the three different endings in bloodborne um so there's there's three uh different endings that you can end up with um i don't i'm i'm a little torn on whether we should go through them or not uh, i don't know if you guys well i, I mean I, I don't mind i haven't obviously got that far yet but uh i've read the show notes <laughs> so, so. <Sure>. All right. <laughs> well anyone who doesn't want to be spoiled i guess can jump ahead a few minutes but uh yeah like when you get to the very end there are three three different endings there's um the you, you can accept uh, i guess garman i haven't uh personally gotten to this point yet either but from what i've read and watched uh, uh garman uh, gives you the option of uh, dying like being uh basically like accepting death to to awaken out of the dream um the the hunter's dream basically the um or you can challenge him uh in that case you will end up fighting him and then you actually replace him as uh, the leader of the the workshop 
Uh, that fight is so hard. Oh my gosh! It's so really I, I, I stopped. I stopped my second playthrough there. I'm like, I've beaten him once before. I don't need to do it again. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't want to go and grind for souls or whatever. Like I, I'd already powered up my weapon. I think to the max as well for the for for this playthrough. And um, I just it ta- it's a it's very stressful to keep going back and fighting him. He's very very tough. And the final one is if you have found the three umbilical cords of the great ones uh, and consumed them. <laughs> Then uh, yeah, you can you can do that final battle and become reborn as a great one yourself as a slug. <laughs> um, so it's it's, it's well, weird weird. I watched that one weird ending. Some great options there. Um, though. So yeah, death, become a slug, or fight a really hard boss. Mm, yeah, yep. excellent. <laughs> that's that that's and I, I don't believe. I don't believe they ever said if there's like a, I, I I guess you can assume the third one being the hardest is like the true ending, I guess. But I don't think canonically there's been any indication from like from software, which they believe is like the true ending. It's, it's just three options from everything I can tell anyway. And I think like given the way this game and the Dark Souls games tend to sort of transcend time and reality and all that i don't i think ultimately it doesn't really matter either i think any any one of those three or all of those three could be the canonical ending just because of the weird way that time seems to work in these games for sure yeah i I was gonna say the same i agree with you steve i think i think no matter which way you want to play the game it's it's the ending you choose for yourself and um i think they all kind of set up the idea that you can keep you can kind of keep playing the game after this right and there's the there's that we didn't mention them, but there's these uh, post-game dungeons you can run called Chalice Dungeons. I think you can do them in multiplayer as well. Um, there's there's a lot. In, in the the kind of the primary way that you go through these games again is that once you beat it, uh, you you open up like a new game plus, and you can run through at harder difficulty. And I, I don't I don't know if there's new story beats on subsequent playthroughs. Uh, Steve, do you know about that? Uh, no, there are definitely no new story beats. I remember yeah, that being so, kind of disappointing. Although, yeah, although you yeah. do like as you progress through new game pluses, you do just sort of uh, start to hoard insight to a very high degree. Right. And obviously, the more insight you have, like it should be said, that story which was very well outlined there, that that's that doesn't unfold in that order. Like you don't have no. a clue about <laughs> you don't you, you don't have a clue about the old ones at the beginning of the game. Right. And as you gain insight, which is this resource that you can spend to to do certain things, I think it's just for the co-op, isn't it? Just for the sub summoning. There's a store where you can spend it too. Oh, that's at, right. In the hunter stream, right? I, I, you, I, I, I can't remember. I was buying something there. I think the, uh, the lightning, lightning paper as well. You can buy the hats. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, as you gain insight, you that's basically you learning more about the world around you. That's you coming to understand the reality of things. And as you pass certain thresholds of insight, when you go back to Yarnum with a certain amount of insight, you can actually see the old ones like clinging onto the sides. Mm-hmm of buildings and they've always been there you just couldn't see them before and enemies have different attacks and you hear different sound effects like if you have really high insight you start to hear a baby crying in the distance which is super creepy it's really creepy yeah. really creepy and that only gets louder and louder until you meet the boss i think it's uh margo's wet nurse i think that's when the crying yeah. stops Man, but, uh, she she is tough too like i super i remember tough. it she took me forever the first time i played this game but the second time and I guess this just chalk it up to experience, and maybe because I had the axe this time, I took her down on the first try. I couldn't believe it, actually. Wow! Like, that's oh, impressive. I remember you being so difficult. I'm like, how did I, how did I win this yeah, first she's try? She's got but... like eight arms and a sword yeah. in each one. Ridiculous. And that part where you go into like the the cloud or the mist, and she's summoning like clones of herself. Mm-hmm. Like, just oh my gosh, it's <laughs> really really tough. But <laughs> God, yeah. Maybe, I, I meant maybe... to. I meant to... Because maybe my favorite boss, though, I really, really like that one. I want, yeah. So I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you guys, like, what was your favorite kind of moment so far, or favorite boss, or you know, favorite element of the game so far? Like, um, yeah, Margo was definitely a, a highlight of the game for me. Um, I love the, um, I don't love the boss fight, but I love the, uh, the, the, is it Mensis or the? Um, you're you're chasing around this guy, and he's got this hilarious kind of voice actor, Miko yeah, Mikolash, and he's oh, yeah. he's got these these he's just got these great lines, and everything he says is just 
I don't know it, the way the delivery of that the, that voice acting is just perfect for this setting. Like he he sounds he sounds crazy, but he's speaking with conviction, and I, I I love that that area. Even if the boss fight itself is kind of underwhelming, I think he's a great character. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a guy. So that, that this whole game is shot through with uh, inf- with like Lovecraftian influence, and mm-hmm. Miko Lash is this chap who has. He's gone into the dream and he he has insight. He understands the reality of the world and he's gone insane as a result. And yeah, he he says he says some pretty strange things. I I, I think that boss fight is not just underwhelming. I think it's actually a bit of a pain in the ass. I think that's a bit of a it low is. point. That's, is, a bit, yeah. that's a bit of a low point for the game, but but it, it kind of makes up for itself by being really charmingly strange <laughs> to experience. Yeah. Like the, the the chasing him and just hearing all his banter as he's kind of teasing you or or taunting you, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's that that segment is really great. Even if yeah, you get to the fight and it's like yeah, or or you fall out, you fall down a pit as you're trying to chase him or something mm-hmm. like that. It's really annoying with all the skeletons it's that, very that reanimate. Well, yeah. that's a freaky room too because like they have all the students like lined around him and they're all wearing the same uh, cage on their heads mm-hmm. and all and they're all de- dead. <laughs> And it's yeah. it's like the I guess that 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 for me for Bloodborne is is just seeing the the detail put into all of the settings and have like there's so many times where you walk around the corner and just are freaked out because <laughs> you're like oh yeah oh my yeah. god <laughs> like and it is all it is all in service of, of 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 that one concept as well right this is a, a world that that has taken this kind of academic slash religious zeal to a ridiculous degree. And the world is just so intricate with that stuff. There are statues everywhere, candles everywhere, scripture all over the place. And yeah, as you say, in the university, you've just, it's, it's, yeah, it's insanely detailed. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Well, and then in the college, there is the, the month, like the eye monsters, because they, because in the college, the, like they had the idea of eyes being the, the That's gateway right. to knowledge. That's right. And yeah. so the students there had had abused that so much that they had just turned into a monster with like th- hundreds of eyes on it. Um, uh-huh. I mean, that, then, that's one of the best lines from Mikolash when he says, grant us eyes, grant us yeah. eyes. Like It's it's so creepy, but corny, but <laughs> ah, God, I can't get it up. I, I, then, I, I'm going to go watch the clip right after we <laughs> recording. Like, I just want to hear this guy. <laughs> I think somebody else talks about having eyes on the inside as well so that you can see inside yourself. Uh, and there are those giant pigs later where the front of their yes. head is just made entirely of eyeballs. Really right. messed up. But so well done. Yeah. Well, if you kill Provost William, like you, I believe there's like some kind an eye item that you end up getting from him because that was his thing was uh, using using the eyes to to achieve enlightenment. I like how you say if as if you're not just killing every NPC you see. <laughs> like it's like it's a choice for you or something. You know, it's not just like your your modus operandi for playing any game like this. Just like if they're if they're if they're a potential threat, they're gonna die. I'm I'm of the you know the clean slate. You know, like things are going bad in Yarnum, so let's just clean the slate. Let's get them all. The nuclear the option. Yeah. They, they'll, they'll they'll come back and do a game plus. That's okay. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and even just walking around, like even uh, getting scared right off the bat when you just you take one step down the uh, the path, and the first one of the first things you see is the beasts like being up on the crosses, being lit on fire. Like it's just, it's just nonstop haunting. It took me probably about twenty times of walking past that bonfire to realize what was on the bonfire because I just avoided going close <laughs> to it and then eventually i'd got strong enough where i yeah. killed everyone that was around it and then looked up and you realize there's a massive kind of werewolf just burning up there that's a really interesting element of the game is that you can't necessarily enjoy some of the beauty aspects mm. of it or the aesthetics until you've made the environment safe for yep. yourself right mm. and so you I, I i think it discourages you from running through areas necessarily because then you're going to miss out on some of those small details that beauty of the game uh just the the art direction all of that stuff by by being scared you, you really you, you want to be courageous you want to be kind of you know get into the thick of things because then you can really enjoy all the subtleties definitely of it. it's a good it's a good payoff to to mm. be able to appreciate the sunsets and things like that 
with the you know mm-hmm. oh the, the sky, sky the sky, the sky in this game and the way yeah. that it changes it, it's incredible oh, you, there is a point in this game there is a time there is a point where this game turns ben and when you get there your your mind's going to be blown um because you go back to yarnum i won't i won't mm. i won't ruin it what is what is the point of this game where you you so there is there's very little music in this game Mm-hmm. But there is a point in this game where there is music and it's like a chanting. Like I remember that part being really terrifying. I know that's really vague. I'm sorry, I don't remember. I think it might be if you get attacked by the guy with the sack over his shoulder and you get sort uh, of kidnapped yeah, and taken yeah. away and you wake up in this different version or a different part of Yanum and there's a chanting going on in the background and all the pigs have eyes on their faces yeah, and there's loads yeah. of like petrified bodies everywhere. Absolute, absolutely terrifying. But, I uh, hate that area. That is one of yeah. the toughest areas of the game, too. Oh my gosh! And if you get kidnapped and you're not ready to go there, yeah, it's particularly brutal, right? Because you're, you're you might be, you know, might be had a run of blood vials or something like that, or just, just you know had a bunch of uh, echoes you wanted to spend or something. And I, that didn't happen to me on my second this recent playthrough. I didn't get kidnapped by him, but it happened on the first. I remember being so like choked by that, like oh man, like I I don't want to be here. Like, I, I know, yeah, home. yeah. And you're like, am I am I stuck here like oh my god yeah, i'm screwed yeah, yeah it's horrible you do, you do feel you do really feel like you've been abandoned or, or yeah, just yeah. just teleported to somewhere you don't want to be that that sense of dread that events like this like that can happen in the game like it, it is incredible yeah well uh did anyone did you guys have any final thoughts or uh final summary that you had about uh, the game before we move on to the last call I mean, I've, I've got a uh, a question, Jordan. You mentioned the chalice dungeons. Yes. Is that is that strictly a post game thing, or can you do them? I think you can do them uh, before that. They might be they might be too difficult, though. I don't remember. Um, there, I think they're kind of randomized. So you use specific items in the um, uh, the area where the doll is, and mm. you do the leveling up. There's the gravestones. Um, kind of to the south i guess of the um the, the house where you yeah. do all your upgrades there's these gravestones and that's where you use the chalice items to open up these random dungeons and i think they have different items in them and um uh, some of the, the harder ones i guess you can get to later in the game with different items uh they might have really really good uh, really good uh loot inside them um i remember them being very very difficult i think the enemies might even respawn in them uh i believe you can do the multiplayer okay. too Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a long time. I, I so, think I did a couple of them on my first run through the game, but I, I never really wrapped my head around the chalice, the chalice dun- dungeons. I think they're kind of a con- yeah, confusing concept, uh, but you can Agreed. do them mul- multiplayer, and I was keen to do mm-hmm. so, uh, but I never really got a chance to. But from what I hear, there are some like unique enemies down there, and yeah, I think if yeah. you go deep enough, there are some bosses who yes, just right. kind of wander around like they're not behind a boss wall they just kind of hang out down there which is <laughs> a terrifying concept that is terrifying for sure yeah uh, um but yeah i think you need i think you need specific items to gain entrance to them and i don't know how early mm. you get those items so uh i'm, I'm just not sure when exactly you gain exact uh, so access that, to those the chalice dungeons are pretty much the only criticism i've heard leveled at the game is that they are i think maybe due to the fact that they're procedurally generated and so much of this game is in the intricacy of the level design that it kind of falls over yeah it goes it goes against the spirit of the game right it's all about kind of curating and crafting a very particular experience but these chalice dungeons they yeah they definitely go against that philosophy and i think that's definitely one of the reasons why they uh underwhelm Mm. for sure but by the same token i do but not to say not to say they're not worth trying. Yeah, like I, I, I quite think, like. You know, if you have an I quite like the shot, idea of, of doing a bit of dungeon raiding using these battle mechanics and seeing how far you can get. I think that that sounds like quite good fun, it's particularly mm-hmm. in multiplayer, which uh, again is something I haven't uh, been able to to get to yet. I don't think I've got enough insight or the it's, right items. Or it's something. it's very yeah. tricky. It's very tricky to set it up. Like I, it, it was easier when the game first came out because so many mm. people were playing it. But now, you know, with the online community, you know, dwindling as we, especially if we get close to the PS5 coming out, but it might be a lot harder now. You really want to, you really want to play it with a friend, but I think you need to be very close to each other in terms of your level. There's a lot yeah. of little things to, to take into you, So you no longer have to be close to each other in level. Oh, if you, there is a good. pass, there is a passcode system. Uh, and if you both enter the okay. same passcode, then it just ignores the level caps. Oh, that's so, good. Okay. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that, that, that was a pain of the butt when that first uh it was so technically steve you could carry me through this whole game 
That is okay, that let's, is let's, correct. Let's, yes, just, let's just do that. I'm not going to, okay. but I could. <laughs> <laughs> ben can stand to the side for emotional support. Yeah, I'll take loads of screenshots. I mean, I'm, I'm, know, I'll be the cameraman. I'm happy to bring along a character of, appro- of appropriate level and go through that for you, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to rob you of the bloodborne experience by just carrying you. <laughs> what a guy. Ben can jump in with the final blow when the when the health's down yeah, to near yeah, zero. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just just stand back and throw Molotov cocktails <laughs> yeah, at the boss. Stand you know? triumphant. Like, like you're actually helping stones at the wall or something. Probably, yeah. 